G'day, g'day, friends. Welcome back to episode six. This is episode six of Simply Complicated, the podcast. This week, I actually, this is my second attempt at recording this. I thought I'd try something really new um, for us and record a podcast while I was walking. And that was just like an epic fail. But I am sitting down with a beautiful hot cup of coffee and I can't wait to dive in because I want to talk about what you are holding on to and why that may be holding you back. Let's dive in, friends. Episode six. Good morning or good evening, friend, depending on where it is in the world that you are listening to this. And can I just say, we are being heard in so many amazing countries right now. It's blowing my fluffing mind because I get to see on a graph um, where everyone's tuning in from. And while predominantly they're Aussies, the Aussies in the house represent but we're being heard in so many amazing countries. So I love that. I love that you guys are sharing the shizzle out of this. And um, I get to have this conversation with you guys. Hopefully one day we'll get this show on the road and um, we can do some live events in other places. I would love that. I would really, really love that. So if anyone has some ideas, by all means, um, slide into my DMs or shoot me an email and let me know. So like I said, this is my second attempt at a podcast today, but um, I'm actually kind of glad because I've actually got a lot more to say (laughs) about this topic than what I originally thought I would, which is no real surprise because y'all know I love a chat. I love the chat. So if you hear some snuffling going on or me having to midway, like, ah, 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 I'm having a chat, I'm, I'm doing this chat, sorry, I just was looking at her, with Ruby um, sniffing around on the floor and she looks like she's, um, Ruby, come here, come here, come on, come up here you big fluff ball. Um, Ruby's my spoodle, she's now 13 weeks old and I adore her, she's like the greatest thing ever, um, but she's a puppy so you know we're just having these chats together and if I have to sort of stop her from um, you know like chewing things or ripping my house plants apart I will go ahead and do that, hang on I'll bring her up on the lounge, see we do things differently here, come on girl, there you go, say hello to everyone, you would but you can't talk. Anyway, so what I wanted to talk about this morning was what triggers us. I wanted to talk about as well what we're holding on to. And I also wanted to talk about the fact that what we're not letting go of controls us. So what we are thinking about all day, every day, what we are ruminating on, what we are marinating over what we are focusing on and what we give all our attention to is controlling us. So if you are letting your triggers control you and dictate the way that you are going about your day and the way that you are moving throughout your mornings and your life, then you are letting your triggers win. 
And I don't think any of us want to do that. So this morning I had a really tumultuous emotional morning. I wasn't the emotional one. There were people around me who were really emotional and there were some really challenging um, situations. And normally I would be so triggered by that, um, like many of us would. But I remembered my ability to reset and how easy that can be. Also how complicated that can be if we're buying into the story of how difficult our morning is and how hard it is and or how that person's wrong and we're right or how they just don't understand or how can they do this or whatever story it is that's coming up for you and the people in your life, like it could be a work colleague, it could be your children, it could be your partner or an ex-partner, it could be your best friend, whoever it is that doesn't see eye to eye with you or does things differently can be really, really triggering. On that note, I'm going to have a sip of coffee because coffee and salt go with everything. Mm. And swearing. Swearing and salt makes everything better. It enhances the flavor of a good conversation and a meal. <laughs> and on that tangent, I'll bring us back. Um it's easy to get swept up in the dialogue, in the internal dialogue, when things aren't going your way. And we feel the need to convince everyone why we're right. I come up against that a lot. Not that I, I used to need everyone to understand my point of view. I don't anymore. I'm totally okay with being misunderstood. 100%. I'm totally okay with people... Um, not wanting to hear me, that's fine. It's not my job to convince you to understand me. It's not my job in life to convince someone that my way is the right way or that this is why I'm doing this way. I'm strong enough now and I hope that you become strong enough too or I hope you are already because that would be effing amazing that you no longer let the need to be accepted or believed or heard by others dictate the way that you um, move throughout the day or the way that you hold yourself and show up to your conversations, to your um, like commitments, to your interactions, whatever it is. I hope that however you show up and the conversations that you have, you don't feel the need to prove um, your way is the only way because you know why you do things the way that you do them you know your truth you know um that you're solid in your belief and your reasoning that you don't need to convince anyone else of that because it's not our job ruby come back i know she i think she wants to like go to the loo and she's not doing it on this rug like Girlfriend, the door is open downstairs. We'll be down there soon. I've just taken you out. Oh my God, guys, if you could see her, she has the cutest snout. Honestly, it's like chocolate brown and pink. Like, I just love her. I just love you. I just want to squeeze you, but I won't because that probably wouldn't be nice. <laughs> anyway, what I was saying is that you went, like, I know, for instance, like, to put it in context, when I was going through my divorce, I, people 
who knew me and who knew the situation and who know all the ins and outs of that, I just, they know and they know me. They know that I would not be making a a decision like that lightly and they know my truth. Like I, there are plenty of people and I know that whenever a big separation or a divorce, like I've been divorced two and a half years now, um, when anything like that goes on, everyone's going to have an opinion and speculate and there are going to be accusations flying around or ideas or hurt people, hurt people and people are going to say things and whatever and everyone's going to have their own um, two cents to put in on that and judge who I am or whatever or the situation or whoever. That's fine. I... Definitely, there was moments, and especially through that path, I had to learn quick smart that to detach from anyone else's perception of who I was because I refused to defend myself or get into a um, or defend my situation or decision um, to end the marriage or anything like that because I know why. It's not my job to convince you that that's okay. I know why and I know my truth and it's the same thing like if you get into a um, discussion or a disagreement with a work colleague it's so easy like to get into our ego to feel like we have to prove them that we're right and they're wrong but do we do we now come on now do we really have to prove that our way is right Or is that just going to give you some sense of authority? Is it actually going to help the situation or not? Like if you're someone's doing something that you don't agree with and you voice your opinion because sometimes you need to and they come back with something, there's a point in which it becomes detrimental to keep engaging Is this actually going to help? Are they going to hear you? What is in the highest good of everyone involved right now? How can I best serve myself, this situation and the time that I have? Do I need to engage? What's my purpose? Is this actually helping? They're questions that we really need to get fluffing honest about and work out If we are pursuing this because we and we are pursuing this conversation, this disagreement, this um, situation for our highest good and for the highest good of all involved, is it actually going to be beneficial? Are they going to hear you or are you going to be making things worse and just trying to make yourself feel better and win? If you are solid enough in your why and your position and your stance and you know that continuing that conversation or that cha-cha or that dance backwards and forwards is not going to get you anywhere, then I encourage you to pause, take a moment, which is so much easier than said than done, by the way, and just look at it objectively. And see if you really need to engage. Because you don't need to prove shit. 
Like you really don't need to prove shit to anyone. Everyone's path is their own path. If you find yourself in a situation where you are hustling for your worth or trying to prove to someone how valid your point is, you've already lost. You do not need to always engage. Sometimes, like I listen to Justin's Tim Jumps, Justin Timberlake song all the time. Like, say something that says something. Say something that says something. Can't sing. Um, and now it's in my head. <laughs> butchered that, didn't I? I absolutely butchered it. But so, and I am all down. Like, if something is going on within my life or around me or within the world, and I have an opinion on that. And that opinion is empowering and it's actually going to do good and there's a purpose to it, then far out. A thousand wild horses could not keep me from talking on it and sharing on it and having conversations about it. However, if that conversation is just for me to, if my opinion is just to have a rant, to get involved, to show up in some way, or to add more smoke to the, like to fuel to the fire, then I'm out. It doesn't matter. We need to understand that. And that's really empowering that sometimes the best thing that we can say is to say nothing. But when we feel called to say something, let it be something that says something. I would love to never get into an argument again to prove myself right. That's just not going to happen because I end up knocking heads with my five-year-old every day and then sometimes I'm like, what? You are arguing with a five-year-old, quit it. Which is also, again, easier said than done. I'm just going to have my a little sip of my coffee. Mm. And that comes back, brings me around about to our triggers. What triggers you? We all have a bazillion things that rev us up, that when mentioned, when highlighted, when we're confronted with, that set about a course of feelings and emotions that have been in play from our past. So our emotions, and I've touched on this before, our emotions are nothing more than a blueprint of a past event. They're a response to a past event, right? They're a learned response. So somewhere along the line, we have um, experienced something and then our trigger or this event will uh, reignite um, this neural pathway and our experience, unless we're conscious in creating a new one, will be the same. So unless we are actively going out to create a new way to process and be, we are reliving the past and the same emotions day in and day out. Oh, is that not just fluffing mind-blowing when you think about it and you think about the situations that give you the same response and the things that trigger you or the conversations? It could be a money conversation. It could be an infidelity issue. It could be um, someone not trusting you. It could be the fact that public speaking makes you want to gag. It could be all of these things, some of them. When... It could be when you feel out of control. It could be when someone tries to control you, you get triggered. 
and you respond and react a certain way and it might be the same single every the same way every single time and that is because your emotion is programmed on a past response wicked right powerful now you know because what are you going to do about it so if you don't like the way that you are responding to something don't wish it to hell learn from it dive deeper into it acknowledge it play with it sit with it get awkward with it get confronted by it hell sometimes it's really confronting like when I got Ruby block your ears Ruby for the first couple of days I was so on edge it was really rough like the children were really intense with their love for her um my and what was I was so triggered because we didn't have a routine I was treating her like a baby as well which is totally my fault um and I was having to micromanage every single situation and it was it was chaos and it was mess and I found myself on the edge whenever like I learned so much about myself from those first few days with Rubes um because it highlighted for me where so much of my anxiety comes up um, and that is around uncertainty. I hate being uncertain. I am a real like if there's a question I come up with a decision and it's done. I make the decision then and there where appropriate if appropriate and when there's time where I've got to be on the fence about it far out I don't cope. I don't like it. Indecisiveness for me and for so many of you is actually an act of self-harm yet we think we're being we're doing something really helpful when we're worrying about an instance when in actual fact the more time we spend thinking about something the more time we spend seesawing around it the more we're actually doing like really gnarly stuff to ourselves and that's just not okay we don't need to do that but Uh, For me, knowing that, sometimes we can't make a decision because all the factors aren't in play yet. But for me, I was worrying heavily that whether or not I'd done the wrong thing, getting Ruby, had I made the right decision, maybe she should go back um, to her, where I got her from. Maybe because the lady was so lovely, maybe she'd taken back. Maybe we're not ready. Maybe I'm not capable enough. Maybe this isn't fair on Ruby with these little boys who are just like intense with their love for her. But as soon as I was like, no, F that Ruby is here. I looked at her little snout. And like I said, it's like pink and brown. I've never seen a pink and brown snout or nose. And I looked into those eyes. I was like, no, she's staying. She's family. We're doing life together now. As soon as I made that decision, the pressure was off. And then I went back and I looked at why was I so triggered by this? And it was that so many, I I had no control. I had no control. I had so many variables were unknown and that triggered the shit out of me. I, we had a whole new routine. We didn't have a routine. And that triggered me. And so I was like, oh, I don't really like this about me. I think I'm like really easy breezy and really easy going. But it turns out that's not so true. More coffee. Mm. It turns out I like things. I like to know what's coming. I love routine. I love being home. 
I love quiet. Oh my God. In my next book, Messy, I have a whole chapter on silence is the best sound. So your triggers, um, and I'll talk to you about Messy in a minute, but your triggers and the things that control you and that you try and avoid are actually the things that are controlling you. So the things that you try and avoid and the things you haven't let go of are holding you back, right? So the things that you try and micromanage, the opinions that you try and win over, the um, perspectives that you try and change the like in others, the, the instances you try and avoid, the things that trigger you are the things that are controlling you unless you choose to face them and get to know them and get all up in their grill and understand them. And I'm not saying they're going to go away because if you've spent a lifetime um, living a certain way and, you know, um, believing a certain thing and having like a default setting, then it's going to take, a you know, it's going to take you a few minutes. Um, it's going to take you a while <laughs> to re-change that program. But the first thing about it is always awareness. And once you're aware, then like all sorts of cool shit can happen. You change the game. You get to choose. And that is rad. Rad, rad, rad. Now, I just mentioned messy. Um, And I'm so excited. It's finished. Like it's been with my beautiful editor, Natasha Gilmore, for a couple of months. And backwards and forwards between us. And now begins the process of sending her getting her ready to send out into the world and see where she lands and see if she gets picked up by a publisher um and that's a process but I'm excited because I believe in this book right messy is a guide is the guide not a guide it is the guide to living lighter and giving less forks now it's 54 chapters of blog, beautiful blog style pieces. It's 54,000 words, which hello, that worked out so well. Um, It has 54 quotes in it. It's powerful. It has interviews. It has, it's like one of those books where you can pick it up and read it front to back, or you can read it intermittently. You can let it be a intuitive hit. Um, It's light. It's sassy. I am so done with the pressure of everyone like believing that life has to be perfect to be wonderful. This is my whole jam lately and messy is 54 lessons, 54 insights, 54 bits and pieces and tidbits and um, it's just going to be fun. Like I was reading back through it and giggling within the first like chapter going like Katie. And I also started drinking coffee again when writing messy. So me on coffee is just like, it's just, it's another level of just, oh my goodness. Like, and I read my stuff later and I'm like, did you actually write that? What were you thinking? Like in a funny way. And I can't wait to share that. I'm really excited. And the third book, which I actually started writing yesterday. Oh, I'm going to yawn. It's called, and it's actually started so much debate 
with my mother and I because she didn't like the word mediocre. And we got into it this morning and I actually had a couple of messages as well because it triggered some people. And that the third book is going to be The Good Enough Mum, Permission to be Mediocre at Motherhood, right? I am so excited because the outpouring, I must have had at least 20 messages from mothers and women in my life saying, oh, thank fuck. Thank you already. And I have so much to say on this topic because this is not going to be a book about half-assing motherhood. No. We know that children are our greatest gift. It is not anything to do with half-assing anything and just not giving a shit. It's about saving your shits for what matters, right? There is so much pressure on women to be everything, to do everything, to tick all the boxes, to have motherhood and life look a certain way. And if you aren't making it look like this, then you are wrong. That There's like, have you, if you look online, you can Google anything and someone's put up a list of how to do it right. Well, I want us to throw the list out the window and start getting back to our own truth and our trust and our ability and get back to instead of feeling like we have to be the perfect parent because what is that? And getting back to be the parent that our kids need and that we are and being okay with that because we cannot be everything to everyone all of the time. Like that is just not humanly possible but we're already enough as we are. So it's about taking the pressure off parenting. It's about knowing that we can't do it all and having what we do do be enough. That's what I want to, you know, have conversations about because when we look at everything that we do as parents, as women, we're already doing so many amazing things. I want us to focus on what we are doing and less on what we aren't. I want us to focus on all the amazing shit that we do in our life and be and are for our children and our families because that's enough, right? I want us to get more faith in our worth. I want us to stop comparing I want us to understand that it's not our job to protect our children from every single hardship. It is our job to breed resilience within them and teach them that it's okay to be human. They don't need perfect parents. They need real ones who make mistakes and stuff up and swear sometimes and, you know, get it wrong. And we need to demonstrate that to them so they have permission to do it also. It's not about half-assing. It's about using our full ass where appropriate and embracing our full ass. Hell, oh, I could go on all day and it's coming in the book. So you can see I get so passionate about this because I knew when I bought Oki home. I spent my whole Archer's two, he was three years old when Oki was born and I spent three years feeling not enough in this motherhood gig that I wasn't doing everything right, so fearful that I was doing everything wrong. And when I bought Oki home, I knew I couldn't be the perfect mother to these boys. What does that look like as a single mum or a solo mum to two beautiful, totally different children? I don't know what perfect is. I have no fucking idea. But I commit to being my best every day, and that's going to look different but I'm going to show up as me and be a good enough mum. 
and that's enough. Perfect, be gone. So that, if that triggers you, you have can go back and re-listen to the start. But my mom got really triggered by the word mediocre, meaning that we don't do a good enough job. That's not what it is at all. We just don't have to do everything. We don't have to be perfect to be awesome. Yeah? And that's the conversation I want to start. Yeah. Are you feeling that? I'm so feeling that. I feel like I feel like it's important. If you feel like it's important, let me know, leave a review, shoot me a message on Instagram, leave a comment under the photos so that it keeps popping up in your feed. Like, share, subscribe so that we can keep this going. And thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful we get to have these conversations. Thank you, friend. Thank you.